Hola y bienvenidos to another episode of When in Spain. I'm your host, Paul Burge, and thank you for joining me. A warm welcome. In this episode of When in Spain, I'm talking about refugees in Spain and a fantastic project and association based right here in Madrid called Chefugee. Yes, Chefugee. Well, what is Chefugee? Well, Chefugee is an association which collaborates closely with refugees and asylum seekers from all over the world, and it organises culinary events. Yes, you knew it had to have something to do with food, knowing me. But it organises culinary foodie events from pop-up diners, uh, lunches, catering, team-building activities and even cooking classes. And, uh, well, it's especially relevant at this time of year because this week Madrid is hosting its third refugee food festival. That's starting on June the 13th, which is this Thursday, and runs until the 22nd of June. And, uh, well, it's going to have 11 restaurants across Madrid uh, participating. And in those 11 restaurants, there are going to be 12 refugee cooks or chefs placed inside those uh, restaurants, cooking the cuisine, the food from their home countries, collaborating with the chefs at those restaurants and creating some exciting fusion dishes as well. Not only do we change the stereotypes of, um, of refugees, we also give them the capacity to be the one giving and sharing, especially something as rich and close to their heart as their culture, which is in their food. So a bit later on in the show, I'll be talking to Natalia Diaz, who oversees the Chefugee Association here in the Spanish capital. And she'll be explaining more about the Chefugee Association, what its mission is, uh, how it started and how it's grown since 2016 when it was first set up. And uh, she's going to talk a bit about what foodies can expect to taste at the Refugee Food Festival that's coming up this week. Before I speak to Natalia, I'd just like to give a quick shout out and say a big, big gracias to new When in Spain patrons, Susan Lebeau and Lila Landres. Big thank you to both of you. Susan and Lila have very kindly signed up to support When in Spain by making a donation to the show through the crowdfunding website Patreon. If you also really enjoy the When in Spain podcast, just like uh, Susan and Lila, and you feel that maybe it's worth a dollar or two of your money, then you too can become a When in Spain patron. It's really easy to do. You just head over to patreon.com com forward slash when in Spain. It's patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash when in Spain. And when you hit the page there, um, you can securely pledge as little as just one dollar a month to support the podcast. So if you enjoy the content I produce, please consider making a small donation to help me cover my costs and my time and to allow me to keep bringing you the show. So, refugees in Spain. Well, um, there was a study uh, done by the Pew Research Center, which I believe is based in uh, uh, Washington, D.C. or in the United States. Anyway, uh, a study by the Pew Research Center uh, found that 86% of Spaniards support the welcoming of refugees. And that's actually the highest percentage of 18 nations which were surveyed by the Pew Research Center, including 
10 EU countries. And I don't know if any of you remember any of any listeners who are in Madrid or any listeners who have been to Madrid in recently or in the last uh, couple of years, that in the uh, Cibeles Palace, right in the centre of Madrid, a very uh, grand and ornate building, there was uh, suspended there for, for a long time, for at least a year, maybe longer. In fact, I don't know if it's still there. I don't think it is. But there was a huge, huge banner suspended on the Cibeles Palace saying, Refugees Welcome. And it became quite iconic, I guess. So Spaniards are very open to welcoming refugees into society, into Spain. And some other figures from CEAR, which is the refugee organization that works closely with the UNHCR, also have some stats. In 2017, Spain recorded a greater number of international protection applicants than any other year since the first law of asylum was approved back in 1984, reaching 31,120. Of course, those are applications. So out of those 31,100, only a very small percentage of those are actually approved and granted asylum. Asylum applications by nationality in Spain are as follows. So the top country for asylum seeker applications is actually Venezuela uh, with 10,000 applications. These are stats from two years ago, by the way. Then Syria, then Colombia, Ukraine, Palestine, Algeria, El Salvador, Honduras, Cameroon, and Morocco. So those are the the top countries by numbers of uh, asylum seeker applications or international protection applications, as they're called. So as you'll hear in a minute from Natalia, uh, what Refugee is trying to do is help refugees use their skills in Spanish society uh, to help them integrate, to help them build friendships and connections and contacts, and also to open up uh, people who are here in Spain and uh, obviously in Madrid, open them up to expose them to new foods, new, t- new styles of cooking and new culinary techniques. Well, I won't tell you any more details about Refugee. The best person to do this is obviously Natalia Diaz. And so here she is. Natalia, thanks so much for joining the When in Spain podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's really an honor. Today, I'd like to talk to you about your project called Refugee. Uh, which has been running for, well, since 2016. Would you just like to tell us a little bit more how that started and sort of how it's evolved? We started three years ago in April 2016. Me and a small group of volunteers um, started this, what we call a passion project. It's more of like a passion and compassion project because we, back then we really wanted to do something meaningful to help refugees who were living in Madrid. I don't know if you remember, but that was the time when um, there was that news of, uh, of that Syrian boy, Alan Kurdi, yeah. who was washed up on the shore. So it brought, like, I think like it brought to the forefront this very, very important issue. And a lot of people, a lot of volunteers here really wanted to help out. So a small group of us started volunteering and we, we actually went to the refugee center here, south of Madrid in Vallecas. And we just asked them, like, how could we help? Maybe we could help them find, uh, like, jobs or, or some employment just to make them useful. And um, so that's basically how we started, because we, we asked for their CVs. So they gave, them, they gave us 
some refugee CVs. We also found out that some of the refugees were cooking in the in the refugee center. So that's kind of like how the, the idea was planted. But anyway, like we started actually going from restaurant to restaurant here in Madrid, giving CVs of these refugees, thinking that, yeah, they would <laughs> easily find jobs. And then we found out soon enough that that wasn't the case. Really? <laughs> yeah, I remember there was even one restaurant owner who said, don't ever come back with, uh, yeah, this, this, yeah, so it wasn't wow. that, yeah. But, but, in, but then again, like looking back, I said, of course, like, uh, you know, it, there, was, there was also the language barrier, also cultural ba- barriers, and it was, so it wasn't, it wasn't that easy. But that was when the seed was planted for us to think, to actually come up with an event. And just to see that, look, like their food is good. There should be people out there who are interested. And let's just see. So we started, we started this um, in April of 2016 at a volunteer's house in Malasaña. It was like a very, very cool, very hipster loft. <laughs> yeah, so we just invited some friends and then we told them to spread the word. We were. We said we'd be lucky if we if 20 people came, and in the, in the end, 50 people came. 50 people were handing us cash. They just really wanted to try Syrian food because, yeah, it was. Um, there's there's no there's not many places where you can really try authentic Syrian food here. So that's how we started. We started with a a Syrian refugee from Daraa. It's like the it's the city where the conflict first happened, uh-huh. before it blew up into a full scale war. So it was me and a, like a group of volunteers who are still in the team now. So there's her name. There's Malak. She's from Lebanon, and then another Syrian guy named Iyad, Felicia from the United States, um, and um, Joanna uh, from England, and and uh, Jane from Scotland. So we're we're a very mixed bunch. <laughs> Yeah. And, and as you said, this team of volunteers that you've built are still with Chefugi today, yes. pushing the project forward together. Yeah, exactly. So that was the small group that started it with a Syrian chef. And now I think we're like an army, a growing army of volunteers. It was really good because exponentially the number of volunteers had grown. And we're all, it was, it's nice because food is really at the center of everything. And we all believe that food is really like a bonding. It's the best ambassador Absolutely. because not only did we get close, we also became close to the refugees we worked with because in spite of the language barriers and the cultural barriers, food, when you get together and sit down for a meal, food is such a great, like, I don't know, just, it just, when you break bread, it just breaks down walls. And uh, uh-huh. it was just so much easier to bond that way. So I guess over the course of three years, we've become really close. And I feel like we've really built a, a small but growing community, not just of volunteers, but also of refugee chefs. From the point of view of the refugees, you said that uh, you had difficulty kind of when you were giving out CVs to yeah. restaurants. What, yeah. from their point of view, has their kind of experience of being in Madrid been? And has this project really helped them kind of build bridges with the local community, with the local business? Absolutely. I saw a real change. Like, for example, when we started with some of the refugees, you could see like they were still very they were still very shy and they were still learning Spanish at that time and um, of course like you're rooted from your home and you if you've had to escape for several reasons and then you come to Madrid you don't know the language you don't know anyone here well of course like I mean me myself when I moved here I I didn't know anyone and I had I really had to adjust what more these people who didn't want to to leave so you could see in the beginning they were still very insecure and we kind of just had to push them. But then every time they cooked, you could see that the, the, tables, would ch- the tables would turn because 
the narrative would change because it would be them like giving or them sharing. I love also that fact that we we change the not only do we change the stereotypes of um, of refugees, Absolutely. we yeah. also give them the capacity to be the one giving and sharing, especially something as rich and close to their heart as their culture, which is in their food. It must give them a tremendous sense of pride yes, to exactly. share something that is so deeply ingrained in their own individual cultures. Absolutely. And then to see this wonderful reception and to see how people are super keen, super yeah. enthusiastic to yeah. try their, you yeah. know, maybe recipes that come from their families, their grandparents. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, we've had quite a few success stories, actually. Like, one of, one of my favorite ones is uh, with this woman. Her name is Wasal. And uh, so she's Syrian, and she's a mother, and she's a mother. She came here with four of her children, um, four of her very young children, actually. And um, she, in Syria, she was a medical professional. She was a phlebotomist, and I had no idea what that meant <laughs> until I Googled it after she told me. What is it? What is a phlebotomist? <laughs> so she works. At, yeah, a phlebotomist works in a medical laboratory, and I think they they are professionals that uh, draw blood and test blood. That's that's right. yeah. Yes. I had no idea about this. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's the thing. So she was not a professional cook, but she has been cooking her whole life since she was nine years old. So her food's amazing. And she cook, She claims that she cooked for her, own, for her wedding guests for 3,000 people. And I don't know if that was a language barrier because I think it's 300 people, but... Three thousand people. That's yeah. a that's a that's a, a know, huge like, wedding. I know. That's like the entire town of her. Anyway, but yeah. So her food is really amazing, and because of Chef Uji, we kind of pushed her to be a little more confident as well. And then as she became more confident with her food, people really liked her food. So they, people started calling her and asking her to do small catering jobs, and um, she started doing that. Now she has this thriving Tupperware business where people just come and give their Tuppers and she just provides um, food for them. So she'll be part of, she has also been part of the refugee festival, food festival. And then now, so she and her husband are actually looking to, to open a small restaurant because now they have the, after three years, they see that people really love her food. Yeah. yeah and then, and I, I will fully support that because her food is really amazing. Madrid, compared to a lot of cities in Spain, is a real melting pot of, of yes. ethnicities and nationalities and, yes. and people not from just all corners of Spain, but yeah. all corners of the world, really, maybe compared to uh, many other smaller cities in Spain. Yeah. So it's yeah. a perfect opportunity. I think so. It's really a perfect opportunity for them. And I think, like, it's... I love diversity and I love the fact that Madrid is also growing. It's The international community is growing here. And you can also see... You can also see that with the food, I mean with the, the food selection, because when I first moved here, I, I felt like there was still a lack of, uh, of Asian food, for example. I, I crave, I'm from Asia, so I, I crave a lot of rice. <laughs> and then, but you see now, like, uh, it's, it's a lot easier to, to find it. There's a lot, of, yeah, a lot of Asian street food. Can you give us a few other examples of other kinds of foods that the refugees in your program have showcased to, to people here in Madrid? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I'll, I'll talk about the different uh, countries that we work mm. with. So apart from Syria, we also work with refugees from, uh, from Sudan, Palestine, Afghanistan, um, Cameroon, what else? Ukraine. So we work with these three wonderful women from Ukraine. And the thing is, not a lot of people realize there are a lot of um, refugees and asylum seekers from that country as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Colombia and uh, Venezuela, M Morocco. Yeah. So that's that's the name. So it's really from all corners of the world. And um, 
it's nice because I have, for example, like I had never ever tried Cameroonian food in my life, and then so when we, so it's like you could just imagine like talking to chefs and they're telling you about their food, and they're telling you about this nadole bitter leaf something, and I can't even <laughs> pronounce it. As you said, like they're so proud of their culture and they're so proud of their their culinary heritage, and then so when they finally share it with you and it's good, you really see that you know it really it really brings them such pride. Yeah. Yeah. So. So the good thing about that was that some of the, like, for example, that Cameroonian chef who worked with us, he was a professional chef, actually, back in Cameroon. And because of us, he was able to get gain experience. And not only, not only that, he also gained exposure. So now he actually works for the Madrid, uh, for the Madrid Ayuntamiento. <laughs> yes, as a Seriously? chef. Yeah. I also, like, kind of look at ourselves as kind of like an incubator because we there's some chefs that are like home cooks but then because of us we hone their talent or they they kind of they kind of hone their talent as the as the as we have more events so like for example there's a there's a, a new project called refusion delivery so it's similar concept but they do delivery and they hired three refugees as well so so it's good because that was that's really also one of the main goals of the project it's not just to give them short-term opportunities to earn but it's also to to hone their professional skills so that later on they could be able either to open their own business or to find find sustainable work. Hone their skills exactly. or to take their skills to the next level as well. You've got something really exciting coming up very soon, in fact, haven't you? You've got a Chefugi food festival right here in Madrid. Tell us a bit more about it. I call it Chefugi on steroids pretty much because it's it's the Refugee Food Festival. So the background on this is that this this festival was actually started in Paris four years ago. So just b right just before we, our project started, there was also a group of like kindred spirits, I guess, who were doing it in Paris as well. But they did something quite similar. But what they did, they collaborated with different restaurants in Paris and told them to open, asked them to open their doors, their kitchen doors so that refugees can come work in their kitchens. And then they started with that festival. So they found us through, They found us here in Madrid because they wanted to expand the festival globally. And um, after talking to the, UN, um, the UNHCR, which is like the refugee agency here in Madrid, they, you know, they were led to us. And so we, we collaborated with them and then we started the, we became the Madrid representative of the Refugee Food Festival three years ago as well. And uh, this year will be the third edition of the, the Refugee Food Festival. So the name of the Paris NGO is Food Sweet Food. So Food Sweet Food and us and Chef Fuji will be bringing the festival here once again in Madrid with 11 different participating restaurants this year. 11 different restaurants? Yes. And give us a bit of a flavor of what we can expect uh, yeah. in the different restaurants and the different cuisines that we could uh, be sampling. What we also try to do is that we try to get a whole spectrum of restaurants. So you have like the very basic takeaway. So we have a Syrian takeaway um, called Al Aga in Tetuan. And this takeaway is actually owned by a Syrian refugee. So um, he has this humble but very, like he has, his food is freaking amazing. He should go and try it. And so he's going to be offering a special menu for the festival. But he's usually open during the week. And uh, he specializes, it's a very small place. So what he does, it's more of like a... Comida para llevar, so yes. it's a it's takeaway. Take so from Tetuan, then you, we we can swing all over to to Barrio Salamanca to restaurant to Indian restaurant Swagat. So Swagat is also hosting a, a Syrian refugee, and they're going to be offering a special 
Syrian Indian fusion menu. Yeah. And then somewhere else in between, I think some of the more... I love the fact that this festival uh, in particular is very, very diverse because we also have Japanese Iraqi cuisine. <laughs> I just, Probably a That's first. an incredible fusion. <laughs> uh, that must be a first, right? Japanese Iraqi yeah, cuisine. Yeah, wow. I know. Yeah. Could be the first in the world. I don't know. So that's going to be in uh, Yoka Loka, Mercado Anton Martin. Yeah, so we're also going to be having Argentine Syrian food um, in this new steakhouse called Lomo. So they're actually, they're actually new in Madrid. They, I think they're going to be hosting a lunch. So what they're doing is that they're pairing uh, Syrian food with their steak. So I think that's super interesting too. Is the idea that the given restaurant, they have their menu, but one of the chef chefs who takes up, I guess, like a sort of mini residency in the restaurant yeah, almost, yeah, yeah. then adds their kind of take uh, to the cuisine, or like you said, or yeah. they, they obviously work together to develop some kind of fusion together. So it's really a collaboration. For example, if it's a, a Japanese restaurant, or let's say even a Spanish restaurant, they would have their usual menu and then the resident chef Uji comes in and then they just collab they collaborate for a special menu that would be served for the festival so it's it's kind of cool because they they look at all their flavors and they see what what go with each other and the chef Uji's work with professional chefs it, it's both it's a it's a two-way learning it's like an intercambio actually <laughs> yeah, yeah because they both learn from each other and then they they try to find out what flavors work and then it always for me, like it always becomes like this really interesting menu because yeah, because like you just have like all these like complexities of tastes that just like come together, and it just it just works. Yeah. You know? And I guess for those restaurants, it must give them, you know, a very rare opportunity to be exposed to a totally different cuisine that maybe they're not familiar with yeah. through one of the resident chef Uji chefs who are in there and uh, like you said a fantastic opportunity for exchanging ideas and techniques and that kind of thing yeah yeah exactly like I remember I remember very clearly last year so we also had a a Japanese so we had a Japanese French restaurant last year called La Tisan they were working with a, a Syrian chef among other chefs and the Syrian lady that I just mentioned was had she she didn't even want to try Japanese food because she was she was so scared to try like work with or try chopsticks so yeah (laughs) but you know so and then later on I mean like after a week she was like speaking Japanese in the in the kitchen (laughs) yeah yeah it was really cool so answering them in Japanese some parts in French so so it's really cool because you really see like how like like, as I said food is really a bonding such an amazing bonding thing and it's such a beautiful thing at the end because it, it, there's, there's co-creation and there's, there's sharing involved and, uh, and people learn from each other yeah. yeah and who doesn't like food right I know <laughs> I know whoever doesn't like food cannot be my friend <laughs> absolutely Natalia tell us the food festival that you've coming up yeah. how can people go about uh, booking into one of the restaurants where you have one of the uh, Chef Eugene residents Okay, so you can check out the official website of the food festival, which is refugeefoodfestival.com. Or you can also check out any of our, our accounts on social media. So on Instagram, it's at Chef Madrid. 
And on Facebook, it's also Chef Fuji Madrid. Or you can also check our website, chefuji.org. So you have many, many ways to check out like, the, the schedule. And I'll, I'll be sure to put links in the show notes for this episode as well. And your Instagram pages, I recommend people have a look because you've got some wonderful pho- photography on there of the chefs in situ with their food, in yeah. their kitchens. Yeah, we really have to uh, give credit where it's due. And that's because we have a very amazing food photographer who's also part of the core team. Her name is Jane Mitchell. She's from Scotland and she's a very dear friend. And uh, yeah, I, also, I actually tell her, you are the MS, you're better than MSG for the food because like, she brings such like, <laughs> she brings color, so and flavor. color and flavor. Yeah, and the energy really comes out. So yeah, I think, I, I, yeah, I think it's really wonderful. So yeah, if you check out our, our Instagram, you can see just how much um, more vibrant it is when you see that it's documented that way. Yeah. Are there any plans uh, to roll out Chef Uji and a food festival in, in other parts of Spain in the future? Actually, well, it's good you asked because um, there are, has been so much interest actually with the... Well, we've been approached by the Basques because <laughs> I love the Basques. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a, there's a young group of, um, of postgraduate students in San Sebastian who've been asked and, and also Bilbao who have been, who've been very interested in, um, in seeding it there. Um, so we're talking to them about how to proceed with that, maybe like at the later, the later part of the year. And we're also working, slowly working with a, another woman, another volunteer in Barcelona who also wants to seed it there. So, yeah, so hopefully, little by little, we get a lot of interest from around Spain, actually. But then, of course, like, we'd rather, we'd rather that they work with the refugees who are there instead of us bringing the Madrid refugees there because we know that there are refugees scattered around Spain. So it makes more sense if they, if they do that part of the, <laughs> if they do that legwork. <laughs> we, as a team, really believe that this is... You know, it's such an easy thing to do. <laughs> it's a blueprint, and we really highly encourage people to also do this as well. Whether you're in Spain or whether I, I know there are other similar projects also in in England and in the United States. That if you if you have the chance to work with a refugee or to invite a refugee to to cook for you, and then just you know this could chefuji I think is just a prototype, and we want to spread this message of building appetites and not walls. <laughs> <laughs> so we really highly encourage you that if you have if you are in, even outside of Madrid if you have the opportunity to replicate this project please we would love just let us know and we'd be very very happy okay, okay Natalia muchas gracias gracias a ti Natalia Diaz there talking about the fantastic Chef UG Association and indeed the Refugee Food Festival so if you are in Madrid between June the 13th and the 22nd, well, you know what to do. Head along, show your support and try out some fantastic international cuisine. So we'll wrap up this episode there. Thank you for listening, as always. When in Spain, just in case you didn't know, which I'm sure you all do by now, but if there are any new listeners and this episode happens to be the first episode you listen to, just a note to say that When in Spain has a presence on all of the usual social media hangouts. So if you've got social media and you like to hang out with like-minded people who love Spain and everything Spanish, When in Spain has a very active and friendly When in Spain Facebook
Facebook group, which you can join for free and you can share any ideas, ask questions to the rest of the group, uh, post content, all of that kind of thing. If you like photography, uh, we've got a When in Spain Instagram page where I try to post interesting and lovely photos from across Spain on my travels and also photography which relates to specific podcast episodes too. That's uh, When in Spain 1 on Instagram. We're also on Twitter. I don't know if anyone actually still uses Twitter these days. I'm not really a big fan, but anyway, we've got uh, uh, a presence on Twitter if anyone wants to tweet me. And finally, if any listeners would like to get in touch with me directly, uh, you can do so uh, by emailing me on wheninspain1 at outlook.com. Coming up in the next episode, uh, Talking Tapas. Yeah, again, a kind of Tapas 101 for people who are a little bit unsure about how to eat tapas, what to order, when to eat them, how to eat them, the things that you should be ordering, a few do's and don'ts along the way. I'll be joining Margit Sperling, who is a food walking tour guide who offers tapas tours of Madrid. So I'll be joining her. She's an absolute wealth of information on Spanish food, and she'll be uh, guiding me and indeed you guys, the listeners, through the world of tapas. That's coming up in the next episode, which incidentally will be the one-year anniversary of When in Spain. Hooray! Yeah, When in Spain will be one year old on Friday. So on Friday, celebrations, uh, crack open the champagne. Um, no, that probably won't happen. I'll probably be uh, uh, on my own in my uh, apartment talking to you guys as I normally am. Um, but yeah, one year anniversary already, um, which is fantastic. So I uh, really hope I can uh, keep When in Spain going for another year. And if you'd like to help me keep When in Spain going for another year, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Well, we know what he's going to mention, don't we? Patreon again, I know. No, but seriously, if you'd like to show your support for the when in spain podcast please please consider making a tiny tiny donation just a dollar or maybe two or whatever you'd, whatever you'd like to give um, you can pledge that at patreon.com forward slash when in spain so until the next time when it will be when in spain's birthday have a great week and hasta luego